whoever is listening guys welcome to your wednesday morning podcast and guys thank you so much for the support on the episode while i was in durham north carolina clemson is the 2023 acc champions exciting stuff it was a heck of a trip honestly didn't really know what to expect of it going into it and this being my rookie year doing this this job football basketball baseball been learning so much and growing shout out to all the guys in the box who made it interesting kept things light not saying the game wasn't but just an overall exciting time and i'm excited for the regionals clemson is the four overall seed in the country and so they have a shot to keep it at home before they get to omaha if they can make it that far so today what are we going to do we got two things that i want to cover we're going to talk about the nba finals the miami heat and the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to talk about why we didn't expect that. We're going to do some notable matchups, how I think this is going to play out, some overarching questions, and then we're going to get into the mailbag podcast section. We got about 10 questions from various people. I wanted to kind of, A, not repeat myself, and B, I wanted to get a sort of grand picture without covering. I I didn't want to do, all right, I'm going to do the podcast finals episode I'm going to talk about Jimmy Butler and then talk about Jimmy Butler in the question. So if my preview kind of feels a little off or maybe disjointed in certain areas, I think I'll cover on certain topics in the preview and then cover certain topics in the mailbag podcast section. So you're going to get a little bit of everything. It's very NBA final centric. So if you're excited about that, make sure to leave a like, subscribe. I'll try to do as much coverage as I can. The regionals and the NBA finals are kind of stacked with each other. So Maybe I'll try to do some instant reaction stuff. So maybe Thursday night, do an instant reaction if I can and post a podcast or maybe do one Friday, try to get it out the next day of just my quick thoughts, how this series is going. Was I right? Was I wrong? Let me know if you want to see that. I've been getting so many great messages. I appreciate it. We're at 19,500 listeners, guys. Let's try to make that push to 20,000. I think we can do it before the middle of June. Let's make it that our goal. I've got some exciting interviews coming up. In the very near future, I have two that I've been preparing behind the scenes, and they're going to be happening on, I want to say, Thursday, and one is happening on Monday. One is going to be a football player, and one's going to be a broadcaster, so stay tuned for that. But enough of the introductions. Let's get into the meat of this finale, the final chapter of the 2023 NBA season, the NBA Finals, one that I don't think many had. For various reasons, whether you believe that the Heat were the Heat were a six-game, five-game series against Milwaukee, you thought, okay, they're going to make it interesting because of Jimmy Butler and the respect that he carries and that Heat culture garners. Or if you didn't trust Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets in the postseason, thinking they usually don't get it done based off of past evidence. But I think for both sides, it's going to be an entertaining matchup. There's a lot of things that you want to talk about. I think for starters, it's a Nuggets team where you had the first round, you have the Timberwolves, you beat the Suns. I think every step of the way, both of these teams have been counted out, not Minnesota necessarily, but I think a lot of people thought the Phoenix Suns talent-wise were better than Denver. They're worried a little bit about depth, but thought, oh yeah, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, Chris Paul, that could get it done against Denver. And then LeBron James and the Lakers came into this series with a lot of hype and a lot of attention. I know there's a lot of memes about it, but the Lakers came in on fire. They just beat the defending champs, and I believe it was five. And so a lot of people were excited about that. They thought that this was a Lakers team that 
could figure it out, could make a similar bubble run. Anthony Davis and LeBron were playing very well. But I think what the Nuggets showed to me in this postseason, and I guess we'll go how each team got here, is I think Denver showed a real maturation. I think Nikola Jokic, he had eight triple doubles in this playoffs. He's having a triple double throughout this playoffs. Everything in Denver runs through him. But I think what you saw in this playoffs, you saw guys like Michael Porter Jr. You saw Aaron Gordon. You saw... Jamal Murray, you saw the supporting cast behind Nikola Jokic really step up. I remember they played Golden State in the first round when Nikola Jokic won the MVP. It was clear he was the best player on the floor in many of those games, but Denver didn't have the supporting cast. Aaron Gordon was the two, and Michael Porter Jr. was, I believe, either injured or not as developed as he is now. Jamal Murray was off of an ACL injury. So this Denver team comes in with a lot of experience, but a lot of disappointment. So they've been able to really bring it all together, and they really took care of business. And I think the path's been laid out for them. They have a team in the Heat who have made history. The Miami Heat, eighth seed Heat. They beat the Bucks in five. They beat the Knicks in six. And then they beat the Celtics in seven. So Miami just keeps impressing every step of the way. After they beat Milwaukee in the first round, I figured they were going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals because I believe they were more talented in New York. And it matched up just a little bit better in my eyes. Julius Randle, I believe, had shot under 20% from three. He was really struggling in these playoffs. It was really Jalen Brunson, one of the better free agent signings last year, carrying this Knicks team, exceeding expectations. Miami's supporting cast was really shooting well. You had guys like Struess, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin step up in the absence of Tyler Hero, who I thought Tyler Hero's absence would affect them later down the road should they face a Philadelphia or Boston. So you get to this Heat series, and I think most of us picked Boston to win and go to the NBA Finals. They'd overcome Philadelphia, which was an important thing for them. Jason Tatum has 51 points in Game 7, and then you go to this Miami series, and for the first three games, Miami just showed a mental toughness that I think there's the phrase that's been thrown around. I said it on the podcast last last week, I think it came out on Friday, is that Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Now, it wasn't that the Celtics weren't working hard, but they weren't playing smart basketball. Miami was the more intelligent team. They might not have the Jalen Browns and the Jason Tatums, but they have Jimmy Butler. They have Bam Adebayo, who plays great defense. He may not be fantastic offensively, but this team plays the smart way. They're really they're more of a team than Boston is, if that makes sense. They share the ball more. There's always that extra made pass. There's always that smart call. They're always that smart IQ basketball player. They're always fighting. They never take any plays off. And you finally saw it in game seven. The juices for Boston just ran out when Jason Tatum eventually went down with an ankle injury 30 seconds in the game. So if you're a Boston fan and you see that happen, you're thinking, okay, it's time. This is the moment for Jalen Brown. The conversation surrounding this team is, can the Jays stay together? And Jalen Brown, who is due $290 million, I believe, with a Supermax extension, a lot of money Boston would be investing into this future that's gotten so close, it feels, every single time. Jalen Brown was 3 of 18, I believe. I think he was 1 of 9 from the the three-point line, 3 of 18 from the field, 8 or 9 turnovers. When you have that kind of, when you have those kind of stakes on the line, and you see that Jason Tatum goes down, this is the moment where Jalen Brown steps up and elevates his game, going, "Hey, I can be the one B to one A, the Tatum one A, and I do deserve that supermax. I'm the reason we got to the finals because when our best guy goes down, don't worry, Superman, 
maybe down, but Batman's just behind the corner ready to step up with his gauntlet or his gadgets on his belt. And Jason, Jalen Brown missed the grappling gun. He missed the batarangs. He didn't have anything in his arsenal. It was a rough showing if you're a Celtics fan. And Miami took care of business. Jay and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo didn't play their best games in games five through seven. They really struggled at times. I thought Jimmy Butler, I was going to make a comment that he looked really tired out there or he looked injured. It's just that those all those minutes early in the playoffs really caught up to them. But no, Miami took care of business. And I think this is a team they're given a 12% chance to win the finals against Denver. And we'll talk about matchups more on these questions. But I think for me, I think it's whether it's the supporting cast of Denver versus the supporting cast of Miami, because I think Jokic is going to dominate the matchup against Bam Adebayo. But I think it comes down to guys like Michael Porter Jr., Caleb Martin, comes down to Max Struess and Duncan Robinson. How is Tyler Hero going to look? What does Denver, how does Denver counter Miami? How does Miami counter Denver? Well, Miami did a lot of zone defense against the Boston Celtics, and it really threw them off. But I think that when you have a team at Denver who I believe was six in the NBA running against the zone, I think they scored. There was some stat I saw on the TV earlier that they were, this was a team that was really efficient against the zone. So Spolcher is really going to have to mix it up. Jokic is able to pick apart those zones and those pockets because he's such an ex- excellent passer. Something that Boston simply doesn't have with Robert Williams or Al Horford from the bigs is that you have a guy like Jokic who can shoot, he can stretch out the defense, but he can also make unbelievable passes. He's a point guard playing center sometimes. He's going to dominate that matchup. I think Miami's going to have to really rely like they did on the Eastern Conference Finals with guys like Caleb Martin, who shot over 40% in every single game. He had two games over 50% shooting, 15.5 points per game. We'll talk about whether he should have won Eastern Conference Finals MVP. But... I think for me, I think Denver is much more talented. In this case, they're much more talented than Miami, and I think they're just more fundamentally sound than Miami. The story is fantastic, and I think that Miami is going to bring it in that first game. It's going to be really electric because you have a Miami team that's fresh off of seven games or Denver's fresh off of seven days of rest. So we'll see if they're a little rusty out the gate, maybe some jitters because this Miami team, for the most part, has been there before. They were in the finals against the bubble, so they – it is different to where there's going to be thousands of fans screaming at you. But at the same time, I think the moment for the players being in that playing June basketball, it's not going to affect Miami the same way it's going to affect Denver. So I think game one is going to be really similar to how Boston and Golden State last year. You have a Golden State team who's got the home court. They're going to come out on fire. They're going to have the home crowd behind them. But there's that experience. And so we'll see how things play out. But for me, I'm going to take Denver in five, I think. They're just going to overwhelm Miami, and I think it's going to be a team that, A, is more talented than them, but the difference between the Nuggets and the Celtics is the Nuggets are going to not take their foot off the gas. They're not going to have these lulls. If they're up by 10 or 12, you're going to see Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic say, okay, it's time to put on. They're going to press some sort of button and go, okay, this is the time where we need to pull away. We need to place fundamentally sound. That's what Denver has that Miami's going to have to adjust to. They're going to have to be on there absolute best every single second just because of how talented I think Denver is. So give me Denver in five. Uh, I, I don't like calling a final series in five, but I think that's just the matchup. It's a bad matchup for Miami. I think Jokic is going to dominate. He's going to win finals MVP. I think he drops at least two triple doubles. I think you're going to see some fantastic passes and the national attention is going to be all on Denver just like they wanted. So we're going to see how it plays out. Give me Denver in five games. Okay, so now we're going to do 
some mailbag questions. And you know, you know, I love doing this for you guys. I love getting you guys involved, and you guys are honestly fantastic. So we're gonna do eleven questions, and I got some questions from my TI subscribers. So if you're listening, and I hope I get these names right from the board, I have three questions pulled from the boards. Um, these first two come from I think it, it's PCHOI. But Joy, I think I'm I'm not sure how the pronunciation works on that. But the first question is, how did you get into journalism plus your future plans? So how I get into journalism is a two step process. Uh, I was doing football announcing. We had it was my sophomore year, junior year of high school. And after Thursday practices, if the JV and B team teams were playing at home, it was asked that the varsity team come out and help. And so there's chain gang, there's running concessions, there's just the general things. So they asked me to do the broadcast, the announcing. They'd basically be the PA guy being like, oh, number five takes it for five yards, stuff like that. Really simple stuff just to keep the parents involved in the game and just to have kind of that extra feel, if that makes sense. So I did it for a couple times and I thought it was it was fine, but I really enjoyed going onto the field after the game and hearing all the moms being like, man, you have such a voice for broadcasting. You should go into that. And I hadn't really thought of it at that time, but that stuck into my head of, Hey, maybe I can try this sports communication thing at Clemson. And the real journalism kickers is what I'm doing right now is the podcast is that it's been the stepping stone for me for years now of opening doors, meeting new people. And just, I think that's really how I got into this business is what I'm doing right now for the last near three years is this podcast and how it's evolved, how it's grown, how I've grown because of how my friends supported me from the beginning, how my family supported me from the beginning, the man with the plan podcast. I mean, I have a shirt for it now. It's crazy. So that's really how I got into it. And then I got into just the media business by knowing guys and they listen to the podcast. And I'm thankful now for being in the position with Larry Williams and Tiger Illustrated to be able to continue this and be in this platform for you guys. So and then our second question, same guy, is just the what is the behind the scenes for so I've been doing some interview series for Tiger Illustrated. I talked to Eric Backich, Caden Grice, I talked to Cam Canarella. And so this question is what are they like behind the interviews? And I also do the interviews for the podcast that you guys are probably already aware of. What are they like behind the scenes? And I think my fun example is Brevin Galloway is and Bo Collins, Marcus Tate. Those guys text me every now and then. They're really great people. Uh, my favorite is when Marcus Tate texts me about the Celtics to make fun of me. Uh, he's got a real, not a beef, but he certainly texts me like he does. So if Marcus is watching, that's, and I think it's so surreal to be able to be talking about that in that sense. But these guys are all just, and for the, when I do the interviews with the student athletes, I almost have to separate that. Oh yeah, they're my age. And so they're just like me, they're college kids. And I think behind the scenes, you just get this, and I think it's weird for us to be able to separate that because they're larger than life. They're athletes. They're on TV. They're on ESPN. They're doing all these great things. But how do we separate that? And it's an interesting dynamic that you have to be able to pull from. So I think it's just behind the scenes. They're just normal people and they're great people to really emphasize. They're good human beings. Okay. This one, next one comes from, for Thomas was, was the red carpet laid out for the Denver Nuggets? And I think you can look at it that from that perspective of they got an easy first round against the Timberwolves. But I think from there, they really had to work for it. And I don't think I, I think we charge a seed number with the expectation that it's going to be easy. And while 
the Nuggets did sweep the Los Angeles Lakers. I think LeBron ran out of gas. I think Anthony Davis ran out of gas. And I think they faced a Suns team that just wasn't constructed very well, given the leap they made for Kevin Durant. So there's also that. I don't necessarily think the like, the red carpet was laid out for the Nuggets, but at the same time, I do think that this is their prime opportunity to take care of business against a Miami Heat team. Like I've said before, this Nuggets team significantly, I, this Miami Heat team is significantly outmatched against the Nuggets, and I felt the same way against Boston, but I think the difference between Boston and Denver is that Denver is going to take no plays off, and they're much more fundamentally sound. They're not going to have bad turnovers. They're not going to be chalking up threes from the near half court line. There's going to be a sound possession every single time. So I think Denver in the end just overwhelms Miami, but maybe you could say the red carpet is laid out for them. This is their golden opportunity. It's not going to get not any easier, but it's not going to be sitting out there for them further and take it. They're not going to be the overwhelming favorite to win the finals. I don't think ever again, just because of the circumstances. Okay. This next one is from Patrick Driscoll, the GM of Tiger vision. And I want to also shout out Thomas Woods, the podcast. He's the host of the podcast Next Gen Tigers and helps out with Next Gen Athletics. I've made some appearances there. You guys should check out their stuff. So Patrick Driscoll goes, in terms of stats and history, what is the significance of the Miami Heat run? Well, Patrick, they're the only eighth seed, to my knowledge, to make it to the NBA Finals. And I don't believe an eighth seed has won the NBA Finals before. So when you look at it from the significance of the Miami Heat run is when you look at the Boston series, is that they almost made history in the completely wrong way. Boston was one of the only few NBA teams in NBA history to make it to a Game 7 after being down 3-0. But Miami's doing things that we don't see often. We don't see eight seeds beat one seeds in five. We usually see it be drawn out to six or seven. We don't see eight seeds go to the finals and beat a one-seed Nuggets team who had over 50 wins. So to answer your question, Patrick, I think we're witnessing history right now. And to appreciate that moment is very important to see a player like Jimmy Butler, who I've always criticized for coasting during the regular season, but always seems to have it on fire when it comes time for the playoffs. So I think we're witnessing one of the more significant runs in NBA history, and we all need to take notice of that. Okay, this one comes from sports writer Luke Winstall of ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Was Caleb Martin robbed of the ECF MVP? Absolutely, Luke. He was robbed for sure. And I think Caleb Martin is a big reason why Miami is in the NBA Finals right now. You had games where, in like last night, where Caleb Martin just took over. He has improved his shooting so much since the Charlotte, the days of him being in the Charlotte Hornets. I just couldn't believe it. I think when you looked at this Boston-Miami series, you thought, okay, it's going to be won by the hands of Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart. Not Caleb Martin. And Caleb Martin shot over 50% and I believe two or three games. And for him, when Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they really, Boston made an adjustment to really crowd the paint when Adebayo got the ball on these high screen and rolls and to make sure he couldn't dominate the game. Because when Bam scores 20 points or more, the Miami Heat are virtually unbeatable. So they made it their mission to stop those two. And they lived with the fact that Caleb Martin or Max Strews could beat them. And they did. And I think it's important to note that, yes, Jimmy Butler had multiple 30-point games in this series. He had the iconic moments. I think Caleb Martin should have been considered more for Eastern Conference Finals MVP because he was always there. He was more timely. He destroyed Boston. There were so many moments where Boston was able to climb back into it and bam, Caleb Martin three, bam, Caleb Martin three. It was a major, major swing every single time. 
Caleb Martin was the timely factor that Miami needed. And if not for that, we'd be talking about Boston in the NBA Finals. Okay, number six from Mitchell, who plays some college football at Union. Mitchell asks, do the Celtics attempt a major trade in the offseason, like a Trey Young, for example? My answer is no. I think that for Boston, and we're going to talk about this in a second. There's a couple Boston questions coming up. Um, and I, I'm i going to say no. I think Boston, I think they might add some pieces in free agency, but at the same time, you had a game where Tatum gets hurt, and so we don't know what happens if he's fully healthy. They did shoot incredibly poorly and had a lot of bad turnovers, but when Tatum takes sort of that load off, maybe it's different. They also signed Daniel Gallinari in the offseason. He gets hurt playing in the European. I think he was playing some sort of tournament. I really don't know. But he gets hurt, and then there's this whole Ime Odoka situation. It's a tough situation, and it leads me to my next question. I'm going to try to pair these um, with this is Cooper's question. Miami Heat fan, so congratulations to him, is what is Joe Missoula's future with Boston? I think Missoula's got one more year with Boston. I think that that three-game stretch where they were down 3-0, that locker room had a very – they had a choice whether to say, you know what, this isn't our year. We're going to try to fight, but if it's not there – it is what it is. I think the fight that Boston showed in games four, five, and six, I think it's evident that the reports that there's a lost locker room or these guys don't like each other, I think that's a little overblown. They might have been frustrated, sure. Being down 3-0 on the ECF when you were the overwhelming favorite has got to be frustrating. But I think Missoula really showed some adjustments. He showed more command as the postseason progressed. you got to remember, two days before training camp starts, he gets the job thrown him for an unbelievably an unbelievable situation that nobody saw coming. So I think for Boston, no, they're not going to overreact and make a big trade. No, they're not going to overreact and fire Joe Mazzula. I think there's going to be changes. The roster is going to look a little different, but I don't think it's in the way people think. So this one comes from Armani, I believe. Who stays and who's gone? Jalen Brown, Joe Mazzula, or Grant Williams? Like I said, Mazzula's not going anywhere. I think that Jalen Brown's going to sign that Supermax. There's a quote from Tatum that it's important to him that Jalen Brown stays and you know, the Celtics are going to want to appease their top star. I think Jalen Brown re-signs with the Celtics. I do think though, that makes it to where a Grant Williams, a guy that had several do not DNPs. I don't think Grant Williams is going to be a Celtic next year. I don't think Peyton Pritchard will be a Celtic next year. Those guys are way too talented to be on the ninth or 10th spot on the bench. I think Grant Williams would be incredibly valuable as a re-signing to Boston because he brings defensive grit and great three point shooting when he's on. So we'll see. If I had to guess out of those three, Armani, I think Grant Williams is the most likely to depart Boston and not be on the team in 2023. Okay, final three. In this era, where does Jimmy Butler rank? And it's an interesting question because I think there's going to be guys like Nicole Jokic who are going to have those MVPs in the regular season. You're going to have guys like LeBron James who break scoring records, who have been around longer. Steph Curry, who's going to be fantastic. I think Jimmy Butler is a tough one to rank because... I've never seen him do what he does in the postseason in the regular season. I think part of that matters, Patrick, is that there's a maybe it's a personal decision of, hey, if we can just get to the postseason, I can do what I can do because in the playoffs, Jimmy Butler has been might be the best player in the Eastern Conference, you would say. He's been certainly better than Jason Tatum, who was a top five player in the NBA this year in the postseason, and that's really where it matters the most. So it really comes down to personal preference. Do you want to see Jimmy Butler do that in the regular season? Do you want to see him be more consistent there? Or do you believe, hey, if Miami can do this every single year, 
But at the same time, that's not realistic for an eight seed to continuously do this year after year. Some point you're going to have to get some home court advantage or a better roster around you. And the Miami Heat did struggle. And despite Jimmy Weller saying, hey, we're going to be back, we're going to be fine. I think he ranks somewhere in the top 10. I'm just not sure because you have people that will just look at the postseason in one instance, and you'll have people that in one camp will say, hey, he wasn't really there in the regular season, and he has had some stinkers this postseason, but his greatest moments are certainly going to be remembered more than his 12 points in game four, for example. So, or game five, excuse me. So yeah, I think Jimmy Butler certainly deserves more respect, but I think it depends on who you're talking to. Final couple questions. Who is my favorite Celtics player? So you guys have probably seen the hat, the Boston hat. I'm a Celtics fan, but I'm also a realist, as you guys hopefully can tell from this podcast. Who is my favorite player? It's Isaiah Thomas. Uh, IT4 got me into Boston. I, I watched games with him. I, I think my favorite game with the Celtics, or one of my favorite games watching the Celtics, is the Isaiah Thomas game where he dropped 50 points the day after his sister passed away. Inspiring story. He's uh, on the shorter side, which made me always feel good because I wasn't the tallest kid uh, in sports. So it was kind of an inspiring thing to be able to look at. But yeah, IT4 will always be the be the guy for me. And uh, that's why I'm a Celtics fan. Um, how long, and this is the final question. This is from Yamasi. I hope I pronounced that right. How long is Clemson in the ACC? And not a finals question. I love that. So this is another interesting question because the ramping conversations that have been ACC meetings. And if you read some of our stuff on tigerillustrate.com, Larry Williams breaks it down in a fascinating way, but here's my take. I think that it really can't be a Clemson can't be alone on this. I think they're going to have to form not some sort of alliance per se, but I think that they're going to have to do what Oklahoma and Texas did. They're going to have to do what UC, USC and UCLA did. It's a move that can't be done alone. They're going to need a school like Florida State, a school like Miami that's going to bring in a lot of money going, hey, this conference is holding us back. We need to go to a place where we can maximize our revenue for all programs. And I think for Clemson right now, they want to do, it's what Graham's Neff said, we want to do what's best for the conference, but we also want to do what's best for Clemson. I think the move is coming at some point. I just don't know when in an ever-changing landscape like college football, I think Clemson would be beneficial. It would be beneficial for Clemson to not get left out of the movement that ultimately benefits. It's going to, this era of college football benefits those who are being aggressive. Transfer portal, NIL, look at Georgia. Look what they've been able to do with these recruits. They just got the best quarterback in the country a couple weeks ago. Aggression is going to reward teams in this new era. Who's going to want to fill their pockets aggression and I think Clemson's going to have to have uh, adapt that mentality to hopefully I don't know if it's going to be the ACC the Big Ten the SEC we'll see where Clemson ends up but I don't think the ACC is in the cards for much longer I give it a maximum cap of three seasons and if there's not a move by then I'd be incredibly shocked okay and that's going to do it for our mailbag and NBA Finals episode, episode 123 of the Man with a Plan podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening on this podcast. If you liked what you and if you like what you listen to, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. If you're listening to on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to let me know what you want to see next. You can always reach me on Twitter, Instagram. I don't have Snapchat on there. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Some YouTubers that I used to listen to always drop their Snapchat for some reason. But Instagram, Twitter. Try to find me, reach out to me. I'm always happy to respond to a DM from somebody who's a fan of the show. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Take care and have a fantastic day.